Welcome to the next episode of Business Blind Spots Exposed, the podcast. Click the subscribe button and follow us. Listening. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome. We're starting a brand new episode of the Business Blind Spots Exposed podcast. And today is actually just another great session. I've got another fantastic and very passionate person uh, that we have on the call today. But I want to start first and tell you a little bit about what the Business Blind Spots Exposed podcast is all about. Gosh, there's a lot of words in that. Um, but for a purpose, for me, as I've gone through my professional career, I've always found that there's the stuff that I know, I can see that in front of me, and then there's stuff that I know that I don't know. It's kind of just a little bit of my periphery. There's all the stuff that's behind me I have no idea about. And where the real unlock for my success and where my failures usually lay was the stuff that I didn't know that I didn't know. And as soon as I got to the point where I started saying, hold on a second, I need to find out what that stuff is, things started happening. Magic started happening, at least I'll, that's the word I'll use. Things that I didn't think I could do and achieve started to happen for me. So I started to increase my perspective. What we do as a company is help show through data where those blind spots exist in a company, whether it's in marketing or sales or operations or diversity, equality, uh, equity, and inclusion. It doesn't really matter where it is in your company, but the data can start to show you that. It's all about the story that goes along with the data. So that's why we started the podcast. So real quick, I want to say hi to Courtney Karachi, who I'm, say I'm making sure I'm saying that right. <laughs> Courtney, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited uh, about having you today. And, and the topic that we're going to talk today about is culture and organization and how it makes all the difference in the world. But just before we get started, I, I want to tell everyone a couple of things. I'll call them ground rules. If you're listening in, there's a number of you already listening in. Tell us where you're connecting from. I would love to see, and I think it'd make Courtney feel good that she's got a, a bunch of people <laughs> who are following. And you can make the conversation a lot more interesting if you have questions or comments about what she or I say along the way. So please feel free to tell us where you, who you are, where you're from. Just start there and uh, give us comments. But let me tell you some of the people that we've got coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks here. On April 13th, we've got Olayinka Yuola. She's the topic of our podcast with her is the top behaviors of successful women business leaders. She's going to give us some insights into what she's seen in, as she's built and helped empower some women business leaders and what got them there. On April 8th, we've got Lee Lam. Lee is going to talk to us about better culture comes from understanding your data. You can try to build a culture, but if you don't understand your, your data, you're kind of just closing your eyes and sticking your finger up in there and trying to guess. And she's going to walk us through that process. On March 30th, we've got John Doan. John is going to give us talk to us about business risk made profitable. Most people think of business risk. Oh, I got to pay my insurance bill. John's going to give us some insights as to how you can flip that script and you can build some equity in your risk. Really, really interesting topic. But today, we're going to talk about why culture in a company matters. And we're going to start that with Courtney. Courtney, uh, I want to give everyone a little bit of a sense of who you are. So I've kind of highlighted some things on your, um, on your, on your bio and your background here, and then I, I'll I'll be quiet for a little bit so we can people can hear from you. So what I loved about this uh, first of as I was reading through this is you kind of started 
uh, as a part-time office administrator at Peston. That's where the journey started. But the story continues from 2004 to today, where you've now touched administration, the technical components of it, the management components of it, now uh, uh, the executive components of it. So you kind of touched all the aspects of the business. You've kind of been there and done that. And I love that you told me that the reason you started in pest control is because you were 16, you got your driver's license, you crashed your car into the side of, into the side of your house, and to repair the damage, you had to go get a job, <laughs> which is kind of why you started the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm a much better driver now, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I see that you've got many, many certifications. You're licensed and certified pest control operator in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Maine. You recently got your associate certified entomologist certification. You run day-to-day -day operations at Pest End. Uh, gosh, you you know, just recently joined the Professional Women in Pest Management of New England, and you just were awarded the NEPMA, P, yeah, NEPMA Woman of Excellence Award. And you've got two kids, Jack and Jameson. How do you keep all this together? You got lots of things, an impressive resume and a lot of really positive momentum in your company. How do you keep it all together? Does tequila count? Does that work? Um, <laughs> no, I, I really friend. do. I, need, I might need to get some. <laughs> I, I do like Milagro. I'd go with that one. Um, but I really do. I have a great support system. Um, my husband, who is one of the owners of the business with me, as well as my sister-in-law, who is the other owner, they, they've really been such a great support system for me, especially with this past year and remote learning and all the new challenges that COVID presented. And then my in-laws who we acquired the business from, they really gave us the foundation for what we're doing today. And then my team, honestly, at, at Past End, I couldn't do it without them. They are the most dedicated group of individuals I've I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm really lucky that to have them in our, in our company and in our family. So I, I want to actually drill in right there. Right? There's already something I heard. I feel like so many say that. I've got such a fantastic support system. I've got all, you know, I, I, I really can't, I wouldn't have got here without the people. Tell me more about that. I feel like so many people just feel like they need to check that box. I feel like that's different with you. Why? Tell me more. So I have a tendency to take a lot on. I'm horrible at delegation and I'm working on that. And they are there to say, whether it's Adam, my husband, or my sister-in-law, Amanda, or anyone at Pest End, take a breath. What can we do to help you? How can we help you? We see where you want to go, but you don't have to do this yourself. And to have that group of people, and, it, and when I tell you it's a group. It's not just one person saying that to me. Um, it's it's really amazing to know that, you know, not only do they want the business to succeed, but they want me to succeed personally. And they know that, you know, by taking on too much that I could compromise the business or compromise our goals. So just to know that if I'm overwhelmed, I have someone to say, hey, can you do this? Can you handle this for me today? And they do it. And there's no complaining about it. They, they're ready to pitch in. And to have that is just such a relief because when you feel like you, you're doing it all yourself, and I know a lot of people take that that on themselves and a lot of people have a hard time delegating and you know, no one's alone in that. But to have that and know that, okay, I trust the people around me to get this stuff done that needs to get done is just 
a way for me to know that, okay, now I can take the next step. Now I can be more involved in the industry. Now I can take an hour to be on a podcast where a couple of years ago, I didn't, I couldn't see through the weeds because I, I, I didn't trust and I didn't, it, it wasn't that I didn't, it wasn't that they were doing anything wrong. It's I had to let that go. And I have a hard time with that. So I'm really working on that. So we call it business blind spots exposed for a reason. And the reason why is I always like to come away with a couple of take home messages. And I think I've heard one already. And that is in building that support structure for yourself. And look, everyone's got their own personality. Uh, I think there may be many people who are guilty of not wanting to delegate just because that's just not the next. I mean, we grew up in an environment that tells us, hey, the best people are the ones who can do everything. And eh, it's not really true. Uh, but you've built the support system around you that uniquely supports what you need to make you a superhero. Am I saying that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I mean, uh, maybe superhero is a little bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> but just to have that and to know that I have people who can do things better than I can. I, there are things in the business that I'm just not great at. I understand the direction of the business and I understand where we're going and I know what I do really well, but I can't do the finances of the business. Not at all, not interested in that, not good at that, horrible at numbers. You can ask anyone about that. Um, so there are strengths and that's what I need to play up to. And when I don't have them, I find people that are able to fill those those weaknesses in, in the business. So there's a coach, uh, Dan Sullivan, who has been a coach for a lot of big uh, big names. Uh, he just recently released a book called Who Not How. And I think that's a little bit about what I'm hearing here is that now you're starting to think in terms of how do I get this done? The team is coming to you and say, can I, can I take that off your plate? And then the decision has left you of, uh, are they the right person to get this done? If they are, then it, I get to put a checkbox in there. And it's not a matter of whether I got it done. It's a matter of whether it got done right by the right person. Am I saying that right? Yes, absolutely. So uh, first blind spot, I think, is what I'm, what I'm hearing, is if you want to start to do what you do really well, is build the support team around yourself so that you can do that. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah. How did you get there? That's... Uh, there's a lot to unpack in getting to that stage. I mean, did that happen one day? You just waved a magic wand, you snapped your fingers, and and then uh, and, and then the team was like that. How did you? No, get that? that would that would be amazing though if that was the way that that <laughs> happened. <laughs> uh, so I would say for the past five to seven years, the three of us have been really running the day to day operations, and as a result of that, we have started to create our own goals for the business and where we want the business to be in a year from now, and then three years and 10 years um, from now, and how do we get there? So we've really taken, had a lot of honest conversations between the three or among the three of us, between two of us, and then we just really identify what are we doing well, but and where are we failing or where do we need to improve? And when we identify that, is that something we can take on to fix or do we need to find someone who knows what they're doing? So as a result, we've brought on a business development manager who has really elevated our sales. Uh, we're gonna be bringing on an amazing director, of, a marketing director um, very shortly. So we're very excited about that. That's something that we never had before, but something that we identified as, as a must 
but it takes time to find the right people. So we just hire a regional director for our office so he can take some of the stuff off of my plate and then he can manage our, our office management team as well as our, our office staff. So we're slowly finding the right people. And I think it's important, you know, slow but steady wins, wins the race. And I think it's true in this, in this case too. You don't wanna bring on all of these people all at once. Change is scary and changing the direction of your business, shifting the way you do things, it's scary for people. It's scary for us too. It's it's a new way of thinking. It's a new way of doing things. So slowly exposing your team to this and making sure that you're finding that right person that can really elevate your business is, is what's most important. And it may take a couple of years to find that right person, but don't settle. So I, uh, there's a couple of books that I've read or heard about on this topic. Uh, topic. One of them is called Atomic Habits. Uh, another one, actually, I don't remember the other one, but it, it just talks, and I've always kind of subscribed to this rule myself. I call it the 1% rule. Every day, how do I move the needle by 1%? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I'm hearing from you is let's not try to w- get a, let's not try to hit a grand slam tomorrow. Let's worry about doing that. Let's just get a base hit every single day. Absolutely. Uh, it sounds that that's what I'm hearing, right? Uh, yeah. You're just constantly making progress. Is that right? And, and that's what's most important. And there are days where you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulder. And you're like, how do I, how am I going to get all this stuff done? And just trying to take a breath and realize it's going to get done, but it's a journey and it's not going to happen overnight. So, we, we, we settle on a, or kind of suggested this topic of culture and how important culture is to the organization. So we've talked about being able to build the support structure. I mean, in, 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 we talked about for yourself, we also talked about this, you know, this 1%, this incremental change. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. How does that reflect in the culture? What is the, how does the culture play into that? I mean, how do they, how do they marry? So we have been very intentional with developing our culture. We were a small family owned business for many years. And then organically, we really started to grow. And we were very happy with the growth, but it didn't feel like we had anything set in stone. And over the past couple of years, we've toyed with the idea, we know how important core values are, but it's also very hard to come up with core values. And and what do you need to make your company successful and who are the people that you want working your company and who do you want on your team and who are you in this in this mix how do i fit in there and and am i exhibiting these these values too so last year we really made a commitment to start researching and creating our core values and i think really that's step one because that's that's the nuts and bolts of your of your culture those values, because everything you do really needs to align with them. So we've read a lot of books and we listen to a lot of different um, audio tapes and just trying to figure things out. And we finally settled on um, five core values and we call them shine. So we have supportive leadership, honesty and integrity, inspired to wow, nurture a collaborative environment and empowerment through positivity. And we started to roll those out this winter. It's a little bit slower in the pest control industry this time of year, so we could do that. And we actually just had our company kickoff meeting uh, for the spring. We did a virtual one. Typically, we do an all-day meeting in person, which is a lot of fun. We do a lot of team building activities, but given the 
the nature of what's going on right now, we felt it was more appropriate to do a, a Zoom. Um, and we really focused on core values. That's that's what our meeting was about. It was a, a spring kickoff and we spent three hours talking about our core values and what they mean. And we did breakout rooms and broke people into groups and gave them the scenarios and how would we resolve these situations in accordance with our with our core values. And we got so much positive feedback on it. We didn't know how it was gonna be received. First of all, sitting in front of a computer for three hours is, is challenging. And we were, it's, it was a different feel obviously on, on virtual and even just what we typically do, our, our typical agenda. So we got a lot of positive feedback and people were really excited about it. And we even identified that there were some values that maybe they were addressing the problem in the right way, but not necessarily in alignment with, with what that core value was. So we've recognized that there's some more work we need to do and we need to communicate them and explain more what they are. Um, but we started there and now moving forward, we're developing policies and procedures for hiring and our review, our annual review policy, uh, annual reviews at every January that we do and how we do how we communicate those and how those are performed are going to be in alignment with those values. So are you exhibiting these or is a new hire going to be a good culture fit because they they support this? And there have been some people, unfortunately, that we've realized they they don't embody those core values. And, and you have to make that, that hard decision sometimes because you have everyone except one or two people rowing in that same direction. And it can it can be a culture killer. It really can. So I'd like to ask if there's anybody who's listening in. We've got a number of people. I'd like to ask just yes or no. Do you have core values for your company already? And if you care to share what they are, I'd love to uh, n love to know what they are. Uh, I heard yours is shine. Uh, yeah. You know, I've I've got the I've got five core values. I don't have a nice acronym for it, but I'm not. <laughs> we figured it was easier to remember them if there was if there was a word. <laughs> But, you know, one of the things that I think I heard from you is this idea that it what you were nervous in presenting those core values to your team. I think everyone, or at least I get the sense that a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to come up with my core values. I just need to keep it to myself. Actually, it's the exact opposite. When you share it with others and when they got to start to see how you see the world, like, oh, yeah, that aligns with, uh, I, I always talk about the bigger picture, right? If we can step up a level. We all are say, aimed at the same, the top of the same mountain. We'll eventually find the same path to get there. Is that kind of the experience that you went through as you shared this with people? There was that little bit of nervousness and sharing with them, but then you came away from this going, wow, everybody kind of sees it. And there's this energy that's coming that you didn't create. You weren't trying to motivate them. They were motivated themselves. Did I get that right? Yeah, I, I definitely do. And and I think it, it starts with it starts from the top and we have to embody those values and then our leadership team and then that trickles down. And I think the most important part is, is that you don't get stuck in one of those levels that it's it's really a, an entire organization that's subscribing to these values. So we're going to continue to work and make sure that you know anyone whether they work part-time from home we have some people who do that that they understand those and that they can understand why we're doing them and mm. what how that relates to our our goals and our our annual goals and our, our long-term goals so i've got a couple of people that have chimed in here so courtney karachi i've got adam karachi is saying hey <laughs> we've got, he's got core values that are very similar to yours 
<laughs> thank you, Adam. I appreciate you chiming in. <laughs> and I've also got a, a, a friend here, Gerald, who has uh, chimed in. Gerald is also a, a fantastic uh, person that I know around building cultures and his uh, chaos, uh, the name of his company, uh, Corralling Chaos, uh, his cultures, happiness, agility, operations, and success. Thanks, uh, thanks for sharing, both of you. And I would encourage anyone else who's listening in, please share. I'd love to. I'd, I'd love to hear what you think. So, where I want to go next with this conversation is core values that you have. You know, there's lots of people in the industry who work for one of the big name companies, and that's where they started out as a technician. Uh, you know, at the, maybe at the lower rungs when they first started their career. As they moved along, those they started their own. They hung out their own shingle and started their own company. And the natural inclination is I'm going to use the core values that I learned from the other company. Does that work? No. It can. You can have similar ones. But I think each organization is different and your goals are different. Um, you know, if, if, and if you're changing industries, that also might, might change too. So I, I think you can take some of them and, and I just feel like they have to be yours though. And you have to fully believe them because there might be, you know, four of five values from your previous company that you really like. The other one's like, eh, doesn't really matter. It's what matters most to you and what matters most to you when you're looking for your team members and who do you want to work with and the type of people that you want to attract. So I think that's more important than just because it is a hard process to come up with those. So I can understand trying to take the easy route a little bit with that. And we we struggled for a year to come up with those and establish them and be really happy with them. There was a lot of debate that went on and um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of literature out there to, to read and help you with that. But at the end of the day, it's what what fits your organization, not what do you aspire to be, not what do you want to be, but what is is your organization. And if you're just starting, then you're really in a great position because then you can decide what, what you want it to be because you may, may not have a ton of employees at that point. And if anyone has any uh, questions on how to get to those core values, if you're so inclined, please put something in the comments and I'll reach back out to you. I've got a couple of tools I've used myself to, to come up with that or to start the process. I won't say it's going to be done over the over the course of one beer. That, that won't happen for sure. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or, or one, or one, uh, one, one shot. <laughs> <to kill it. laughs> um, but I, I think also something to tease out here is those core values. I think you had talked about them. Those are, that's the ultimate measuring stick for the company. It and is. if you can truly live into those core values, even though you may have another, in, I mean, in your case, another pest control company that is five miles down the road, even though there's another pest control company, they may not be competition because the core values are different. That is what differentiates you. Am I saying that right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, you want to try to communicate those to your customers too. So, and that could be through social media and you don't have to shove it down their throats or anything like that, but show them how you're demonstrating that and show them how your company really subscribes to those core values because they're so customers want to know who who they're doing business with so what are you doing how are you showing that we have um we're in the process of redeveloping our website and we're going to have a whole section on our mission and our core values and our meet our team and um a talent acquisition page so you you see what you get um, or you get what you see, I should say, because we we want to be transparent and we want to be 
we want everyone to know whether it's customers, whether it's new talent we're trying to to bring aboard. This is who we are, and you know, it's not just lip service. Yeah, this is uh, is really interesting discussion because as much time as it takes to build all of this, that's the foundation that allows you to leapfrog past others because. Uh, the analogy I give, I've given to my kids sometimes, my, my poor kids, uh, they're 11, 11, 10, and 7, and they hear about core values and culture and, <laughs> and alignment and congruence in the organization. They're like, Dad. I was like, yeah, this, is, this will be important one day. <laughs> uh, or maybe they're just a sounding board for me. Um, but I, t- I talked to them about this idea. You know, you go get alignment on the tires on your car. Because if your left wheel is going left and your right wheel is going right, well, you're not going very fast at all. But if your left and right tires are both going in the same direction, gosh, you actually start to move very quickly. And talk to me about that in terms of now that you've introduced these core values into your employees, into the general, the whole company, how has that changed? Because you talked about this, you're, you know, you got an exciting year ahead. You know, I think you said 11 to 13 people that you're thinking of bringing on. That's some fabulous growth for the company. That's got to be scary. But having this backstop of the core values and the culture that helps, right? It does. You know, the first thing really is, is we're able to make every decision in the company in alignment with those core values. So if it doesn't pass that, you know, sniff test that making you feel comfortable, go back to those foundations, go back to those core values. Is it in alignment with one or multiple of those? And if it doesn't, if it doesn't happen, then sorry, you know, we're going to go in a different a different direction. And whether that's hiring someone or whether that's making a decision to potentially acquire a company or diversify your business, how, how does that relate to your core values? And is that supporting your core values? And if it doesn't, then it makes the decisions a lot easier. It takes the emotion out of it. It takes that, mm-hmm. you know, give and, and take and push and pull in that room where you're like, really passionate about something and you think that this is the way to go and they think it's not the way to go and how do you resolve that go back to those core values you have a metric um to to really evaluate any decision that you make in your business yeah so this is interesting because i was mentioning i put out some of these videos i put a post out a little earlier this week and it talked about how 32 percent of all employees have to wait three months or more to get uh, feedback or review from their uh, from their uh, from their superiors or their bosses, supervisors, and it went on to say, uh, or in this little post, it was the reason why is because a, while a lot of employees or uh, techs or whatever the case may be want that feedback, it's usually the supervisors that are a little scared of giving negative feedback. So that's what they hold on because they just kind of I don't want to do that. When in fact, if you have core values. That actually almost makes the easier conversation because you're not talking about, hey, you're doing the wrong thing so much as let me invite you to where we're trying to go. Do you see how what you're doing doesn't, do you think that matches up with where we're trying to go? No, it doesn't. Well, how can we change that behavior? Have you seen that shift in the way the conversations have? I mean, it's not so confrontational. It's it's about the numbers and the unbiased as opposed I to, hey, that's Brian, a I really good point. Um, so obviously we're, we're early on in, in this whole core mm-hmm. values rollout. But I, I do see that because people don't, naturally don't like confrontation. Yeah. I don't like confrontation. And, and you don't want to, it's hard to criticize someone, even if you know, you're thinking like, man, what are you doing? Like, wh- how, why? Why are you doing this? But 
you know, it's human nature. You don't want to get into an argument. You don't want to criticize. So if you can take that emotion out of it and actually point to, okay, here are our metrics, here are our core values, you know, how you treated that customer. Were you being honest with them when you made that sale? No. So you can point, point to those and use that. And I don't want to say as an excuse, but point to those and just say, Hey, like this is not in alignment with what we're trying to do here. So you're not necessarily taking your opinion and just blaming them for something, you're pointing out, okay, this is what the whole company is expected to follow and subscribe to. You're not doing that. How can we fix that? How can we change that? And it really does. It takes that emotion out and it makes people a little bit more comfortable to make, make those decisions. You know, you, you and I were talking just before we started and I talked about this whole idea of kind of marrying this heart-centered leadership with the recovering analyst that I call myself. And how do you get the numbers and the data to match with the heart and kind of the uh, the, the emotional side of things? You know, as and as a company, we we try try to chart all those things out there in terms of where they're trying to go against the core values, so that they can figure out how they improve by showing people uh, what steps they can take to go from a C minus to an A plus. How do people respond to that? How do what what happens when when you show them that and kind of show them that pathway? to go future forward. Yeah, I think that that's really important. I mean, people these days, they want to know, people change careers and change companies so so frequently these days. So it's, you want to be able to attract talent and keep that talent. And how do you do that? Show them the way forward. Show them, here's, here's your opportunity for growth. And some people want that and some people are content to stay wherever they were originally hired for. But showing them how they do that, but also, you know, if if you're going to be doing this, you really need to fully, fully believe in, in what we're doing here. And you need to embrace those core values and you need to embrace the direction of the business. And I think that it's it's been great for us because we went from a really small company with not it was hard, especially hiring people for our office side there wasn't a lot of opportunity for growth. But now come this year, we'll have um, over 65 employees this season and with the with the hope that we continue to grow. And there's so many opportunities. There's positions right now that we didn't have three or four years ago. And there's positions today that we simply just created because we found that need. And we're going to find those people to fill those spots. But to know that they are coming into a company that supports them and that wants them to succeed as long as they're willing to put in that work and, and subscribe to the culture that we have. Because we're not going to change our culture to fit this rock star of a person. We're just not going to do it. Um, and, you know, sometimes that's hard because you might lose on, out on a really awesome person. But if they aren't in alignment with what you're doing and with how your staff and your team is, you're, they're not going to be successful anyways. And it's just going to create a hostile environment. Yeah, it's really, uh, it's really interesting. And Gerald, I think I appreciate you kind of chiming in with some, uh, you know, the ratio for giving the right amount of feedback is six positive and one negative. Feedback is easy when you know the formula. It's a good, uh, good rule of thumb. I, I always like to think in terms of inviting people to see it from a different, a larger perspective. Um, hey, look, we're all going to the top of that mountain. Do you want to be heading off towards that mountain? Because this is the one we're trying to get to the top of. Uh, so we, because it's all about the alignment, you know, left tire, right tire kind of thing. Absolutely. So 
I want to kind of give, uh, you know, there's been a lot of things we've been talking about here. I mean, if we've talked about the core values. We've talked about this 1% improvement kind of idea, you know, trust in the support team so that you can stay in your zone of genius and your zone of brilliance. Um, when is too early to start talking about a core value? Is it something that you, you think the timing was right for your company? Could you have done it before? Uh, what, when is the right time for a company to start to think like this? I think as soon as you possibly can. I think we could have done it before. Were we thinking about it at that point? No, we were very entrenched in the the day to day and just trying to make sure that everything was running properly. And when we really took a step back and said, you know, we can't, you can't grow the business if you're in the business. You got to be up here. You got to be looking down and and take yourself out of that day to day and see the opportunities for growth and, and where, how, how do we succeed? And if you're entrenched in that day to day, you get stuck there. So I think had we taken a step back and done that sooner, we could have come up with those values much sooner. Um, it's worked for us right now, but I think that as soon as possible, start developing those. They're so essential because as we talked about having that foundation, having that framework for making decisions for your business, it's right there for you. How are you going to hire your next person? Do they embody these? Okay. So the sooner you start, I feel the better. Where did the journey start? What, I mean, what was the... Lots of times people start a journey when they've gotten so frustrated with the path that they're on. Uh, what Was that the way it worked for you? That there was a frustration level with kind of where the company was and where it was going and maybe stagnating and I don't, I may be using the wrong language here. But was it a frustration thing? Was it a, an aspirational ambition thing? What, what drove you all to start to think like this? So we've experienced really tremendous growth over the past couple of years and we would have our meetings and we would talk about things and then some stuff would get done and some stuff would fall by the wayside. And we were all doing that day-to-day stuff. Amanda was really working on the payroll side of it and the finances. And, you know, Adam, who touts himself as the visionary, was really, he was dealing with customers. And um, and I was working on the office and trying to improve that. And you become so focused on that, that, you lose sight of where you're going and how do you sustain growth and how do you ensure continued growth? And us doing that is, was not going to sustain the company. So what changes could we make to start that process to get us out a little bit of that day to day and start looking at the business, working on the business rather than in the business. And I think it kind of stemmed from some frustration there because we knew that if we continued to do what we were doing, Pestin was doing great. But at some point, you start to crumble from the inside if you don't have that foundation in place. And there's a lot more that goes into it besides the core values, but it's a good place to start because you can start to make decisions in alignment with that. And that's why, you know, we, as we had discussed, we recently um, started the journey on uh, EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And I think without those core values, I don't know that we would have done that. I really don't because that's that journey on EOS is in so much alignment with what we're trying to do with EOS. And that's how we take Pesta into the next level. And that's how we elevate that business. And that's how we reinvigorate ourselves and our, and our team. And we get excited and we see where the future is. 
But if we didn't have that foundation to start on, I don't know that that decision would have been made to, to do that. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And if we didn't have the time to do it because we were so stuck in, in our you know day to day roles, I don't think we would have made that leap of faith. And I think that I don't think it's an understatement to say that creating those core values has really been a step to bring PESTA into the next level. Yeah, I, uh, I've got a book that I think, just as you were saying all this, uh, I, I think I really need to say is just my favorite book of all time, and that's Rocket Fuel. Uh, and Rocket Fuel, Rocket Fuel is, uh, so I am, I, I clearly, um, from, from my actions in the past, fall into this uh, visionary role myself. I'm always thinking at the 100,000-foot view. Yeah. And when I read that book, Rocket Fuel, I almost it gave me the heebie-jeebies because I felt like somebody had been watching through the window for the last 40 plus years <laughs> saying, hey, I've been watching you. That's what I was. And reading that book was kind of just you know, gave me a lot of permission to say, oh, this is what I do. So Adam, I, I, I commiserate with kind of where you are <laughs> in, in that regard. Um, but and I think where I'm going with that is as you start to find out what everyone does, kind of going back to the earlier point, as you start to find out what everyone does and kind of how they fit together, what makes it easier to figure out that you're going to Disneyland together or Disney World together is that you know what that final destination is and everyone performs a role. I mean, you know, uh, I don't know if this is a traditional way of things, but when, whenever myself and uh, my kids jump in the car, my wife is just fantastic about thinking about Here's where we're going to be stopping. Here's the snacks that we need. Uh, here's the the games. And I'm sitting there planning out, you know, the little AAA triptych kind of map thing. I'm figuring that stuff out. And everyone has a defined role. And we decide that we're, hey, let's all go to the bathroom before we get, you know, 30 minutes into it, have to stop again. Everyone's got a piece of the mm -hmm. equation. Yes. And if you know where you're going, then it's easier to figure out where you're going and what everyone, what part everyone plays. Is that, did I, is that the way you guys have experienced it yes. as well? Absolutely. We're very early on in, in this journey, but that is, it's, it's really important. And, you know, we have this phrase that we use at our company, stay in your lane and do what you do well and, and stick to that. Don't, you know, don't, don't veer out of that lane. Of course, teamwork, but at the end of the day, if you're responsible for this, that's what you're responsible for. So we've spent a lot of time talking about culture and all these different components of culture and how you all have started to approach it. Look, I think a lot of people, uh, I know I definitely used to always think about it in terms of numbers, right? How do I measure whether this is valuable? Take, and, and I don't know if that's even really a fair question to ask. How would you quantify the value of culture? I mean, is it is I mean, is it is return on investment the right way to think of culture? I think so. I mean, as I said, I'm not the numbers person, but um, I I do. I really think that establishing a strong culture. You know, we're attracting really top end talent right now as a result of some of the changes that we've made and some of the things that we've been doing in the industry and. That doesn't happen unless people understand that what you're trying to do and they are recognizing that whether you know, social media is so essential right now with with that. 
um, and they're, they're seeing things and they see articles or they see posts. I thought this looks like a great place to work. And I, I think that people see that and they want to work for you and, and you don't want to have to, you want to be that company that people are coming to. You don't, especially in, in this, in this time where it's very challenging to find people um, to fill positions. I, I think a lot of people in a lot of different industries are struggling with that right now to be that company that someone wants to work for. That's what culture can do for you. So I will, uh, I, I told you, I've got this, uh, these competing parts of my personality, the heart side and the, the, the analyst side. So I'm going to talk a little bit about numbers here. Yeah, you, you go for it. <laughs> How do you measure the culture? How do you know that the culture is getting you in the right direction? Do you have a, I mean, culture, culture is the measuring stick, but I want to get over there, right? How do you know that you're making stepwise progress towards Disney World? Do you all have a system that you're using? I mean, I think this is part of what EOS is for you. Is that is that the way that you yeah, start to so think about it? Yeah, so that's what we're really using EOS for. Um, we okay. started with our focus day yesterday. So we're, again, super early on in the journey. But at the end of our 11-hour marathon meeting yesterday, <laughs> we really, um, I, I think, other than our brains being total mush, um, we really came out of that with a lot to think about and, and a lot of how, how can we measure this? And, you know, some of our rocks that we created have, have things to do with our culture and, and measuring. Um, and then we have our scorecard that we have to create. So we're really early on in the process. I know that there are ways to measure it, how we get there. I'm not sure yet. Um, but I think, you know, just the satisfaction of our, of our, team members currently, you know, how, how do they feel like they're contributing? Do they feel like, you know, they're supported um, in, in different ways? And are they themselves executing these? Are they being honest with themselves, with their team members, with their supervisors, with the customers? So you, I'm, I know that there's metrics for that, but even just walking through the office and, and talking to the technicians, there's such a, a shift in in the way that people are are responding to the changes that we've made. It's it's really incredible. We have our general manager Dennis has been with us forever, longer than I've been there, um, and he he himself has has said that you know he's so excited about what's going to happen with EOS and with the changes that we've made, and and really he. Um, we talked about it yesterday. He's really the heartbeat of our company. I mean, he really is. He's been here forever and he's very supportive of, of anything that we do. Um, and to have him on board and, and see the potential that we have and the potential for the business is, you know, really, really says something to me. Yeah. And and, and I, I just want to be clear to everyone. Uh, it, EOS is a, a path that you all have chosen to implement that, right? It's not, it, it's not the only one. There's lots of other different. No, types there's, of there's lots of different ones. Yeah, but the the good thing is that it it fits. Uh, it's it's because it's not a one size fits all kind of hat, right? It, it's a, it's, it's a, not, it's, and I know like, people who it was not successful for. It just it happens to work for our company, but there are a ton of different options out there. Um, and you don't have to to implement that, but to get the structure, I think that we need to support the growth that we're hoping to have, this is how we're going to get it done. Yeah. And I, I, I know lots and lots of people who've actually implemented EOS in lots of different industries. And it's it's about a general business framework, right? Of creating, yes. creating that accountability, right? Yes. 
So uh, kind of talking more about the, the numbers, in terms of a company, I hear, I mean, so growing to 65, I think, you know, by with the addition of these 11 to 13 people or so, I'm assuming that's, you know, about a almost 15 to 20% growth as a company yes. over the course of the year. I yeah. mean, that seems like a pretty staggering number in terms of growth. I mean, you guys have got to be quite comfortable. I mean, and I shouldn't say comfortable, quite excited about that number, right? We are. We are thrilled. Um, we had a really excellent year last year, despite everything going on. And that afford, has afforded us the opportunity to do some of this stuff. Um, and, you know, we, we anticipate more, um, equal, if not more growth this year. So we're really, we are really excited about it. And, and we're trying to find ways to make sure that that growth is sustainable moving forward. So talk to me about the future a little bit. Uh, so we're setting this framework in this, uh, I'll call it the base of the Eiffel Tower. I don't know, that's all I could come up with. The the base of the, you're forming the foundation for the Eiffel Tower. How tall is this thing going to be? What Where does Pesten, where does Courtney lead Pesten with the rest of your uh, your leadership team? Where, where, where Where's uh, Pesten going to? I mean, we aspire to be the largest family-owned pest control company um, in in New Hampshire and then potentially in New England. Um, It's a very lofty goal, but I think that we're trying to put in the frameworks to get us there. And I I think we can do it. We have the support of our team and um, and we've really built an amazing, amazing group of people. Um, And we're just trying to get everyone, as they say, rowing in the same direction so we can get there, but get there in a smart manner. You know, we don't, we don't want to shoot up and overnight and, and just, you know, get all of this, this growth and then not be able to support it from the inside. Because when that happens, you start crumbling, you start losing really good employees and, and it's not, it's not a good culture to work in and people see that. So we want to do it in a way, not necessarily slow and steady, but consistent, I guess, would be the, the better way to describe that. And just, just, you know, really focus on how do we get there? How do we get our team members to see that vision? And how do we make sure that we have the policies and procedures, the foundations, the structures in place to support that and sustain it when we get there? So uh, the, the words that come to mind is in, uh, intentionally sustainable. Yes. Does that sound about right? That sounds exactly right. And the other thing is, he said, you know, look, big lofty goals. What? Why not? Why not you all? Right? I mean, you've got the got a great company and great great people already. The company. I mean, I've met a couple of you, and uh, why? Why not you all? Right? It's, why should it be anyone else? That's how we feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's that's the right way to feel. Well. Uh, there's another topic I wanted to talk about sure. so that you know I didn't know if we would actually get to it, and I'm actually happy we do. Um, there's been a lot of talk in lots of different industries about women, right? Women, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use a general term, and I want to be careful in how I say it, what what their place is. Um, and what I mean by that is, it's I don't like the word equality for a reason, and it's because you're saying you know one is equal to one. Well they present different values in the pest control marketplace. I've seen, a, I've seen a lot more diversity or growth in diversity in the organizations and the way they're run. Have you seen that too? Talk to me about that. I mean, you're, you've been, you win, you're winning lots of awards and, and accolades. Tell me how that feels. What's, what's been happening in the industry. Where do you see it going? Sure. So um, we're very excited that we, 
we're a woman-owned business um, when my in-laws own the company and we have retained that. So um, that's really important to us. It's very, very important to us um, that we are a woman-owned business. And I think it speaks to the industry and the work that NPMA has been doing to support that as well. The diversity um, across the board really is, is a major focus of theirs. And I think that they've been executing that really well. As for me, when I started out, when I got my license, you know, it was myself and, and Amanda in a room full of full of guys. And we were getting, you know, our continuing education credits. And, you know, we're these two young, young women in there. And it was a little unsettling. It was, it was strange. Not that anyone, you know, said anything negative, but it was just it's like, we're all the women. What's going on? And I think that that has changed. And I will say, I, and I, I don't know that it's unique to the pest control industry, but the what I can say is unique is the open and honest communications that businesses have, whether you're a competitor and they're right next door to you, or I have relationships with people up and down the East Coast and the West Coast. Everyone is so open and willing to help. It's not this, you know, trade secret type of thing anymore that everyone has been really open and collaborative. And I think that that helps. And, you know, Dominique, who is the CEO of NPMA has really made it a mission to get, you know, more women involved. And there's a workforce development initiative to get the industry out there because there is sometimes a closed minded view of the industry as someone, uh, you know, you're just killing bugs. You're that dopey exterminator from, from the movie type of thing. And it's way more than that. We're, pro we're protectors of public health and the nation's food supply. And we have to advocate for ourselves as that, you know, this is a science-based industry. It takes a lot of knowledge to be successful here, whether you're a CSR or you're out in the field or you own a company, it doesn't matter. And I think that women play a huge role in that. And we've, we have developed a lot of relationships with really successful women in the industry. And the best part is, is they're so supportive. I've had people reach out to me when they saw that I was going to be on this podcast. Can't wait to watch this. I can't, you know, I can't, I'm so happy for you. There's no, there's no animosity. You people want, women want other women in this industry to be successful. And I think that that is so incredible to be able to have that support system it's just, it, it means so much, especially as, you know, as a younger person in the industry, there are women who have been in the industry for decades and they still, you know, this is great. Like continue doing this. We were the pioneers in the field, but you know, you guys are ones who are making a difference now. So it's, it's really incredible. Um, the, the work that's been done, the diversity that that's here. Um, and to have that support system, there are women that I, didn't know. And after I moderated a, a panel for the professional women in pest management, they were sending me messages and like, that was awesome. You know, I, how can I become more involved? How can I start my own chapter of this? And to know that you're making that difference or you're making an impact that other women want to be involved in the industry is amazing. It's, it really is. It's, it's an honor to, to have that feeling. It must be a flattering place to be when you have people come in saying, can I, can I be like you when I grow up, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is, and, I mean, and honestly, there are, I have so many mentors and so many people that I look up to in the industry. And I, I just, I couldn't even name them all that, um, but they, they've been so supportive along the way. And I just, I hope that I'm able to do that to the next generation of women leaders. 
So Sherry Spencer Bachman, uh, we yes. both know her. Uh, I had her on the podcast a few weeks ago, and we've been doing some work together. And uh, yeah, when I, I asked her the same question, she said, "You know, Vinay, it's 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 changed a lot." Uh, and she said, "I am very proud of what has happened and how far we have come." Um, my wife actually read a book that she shared with me once. It was called the Athena Doctrine, Athena Principle. And it showed this, uh, it, there, there's this you know, page where on the left-hand side, it's traditionally male traits, centered traits in companies, how they run with uh, males, and then sort of female-centered traits and how companies run with that. And it says, uh, a lot of people think, oh, it's, it's all women, it's all men. No, it's actually not. It's the one when you get them all together and you get all the perspectives together, that's where the real magic is coming back to culture, right? I mean, I think that's kind of what you all have built. And I think you've started to really identify as success criteria for your company is let's get all the right perspectives and the right right butts in the right seats at our company and we'll find the right path to follow. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't matter, you know, who, male, female, doesn't matter, ethnicity. It really, it's, are you filling that need? Are you a talent that we need on our team because you fill that role? And if you do, I don't care who you are. You know, that's that's what's most important because how are we gonna make Pest unsuccessful and how are we gonna sustain that growth? And you know, whether we have a team of all women, all men, it doesn't it doesn't matter as long as you know the right person with the right talents is filling is filling that right seat. Yeah. So I I want to kind of come back and summarize a couple of things I heard throughout the course. I think there's a lot of stuff that I kind of just hearing from you. I. I, I I continue to relearn is, is what I, I, I say. So I think I heard something, you know, trust in the team to support you because there are, I'm not good at everything. So let me focus on the stuff that I am good at. And the team takes, takes over the rest, right? I think that's kind of one blind spot that I heard. Mm-hmm. Next is having that honest internal dialogue on where are we going? And then thinking about it in terms of uh, 1% steps as opposed to home runs and grand slams right? Base hits versus grand slams. Uh, number three was core values. They've, they've, the core values have got to be something that resonate with you because if you can't live in and lean into those core values, they fall flat in your face and it's really hard to do. But to, to the next point is, yeah, it's a little nervous sharing your core values, which may take some time to come up with. But once you come up with those core values that you can lean into, share it with the team and you'll probably be surprised with how much alignment there actually is. Did I get those right? You sure did. You nailed those. Yeah, those a uh, lot, of, lot, of, lot of good, uh, good nuggets. So uh, I'd like to give you a chance to tell me, uh, or you know, tell people who might be listening, who might listen to the podcast uh, in the future, uh, women or men, they want to get started, right? They want to start to follow in some of the path and the footsteps that you've taken so far, and where you might be going. Uh, give me one, two, three things that you would suggest to them as a way to start get started. So I do a lot of reading. Um, so I would definitely recommend, you know, finding some books. There's a lot of thought leadership books out there. There's, you know, there's a ton of books out there for starting your own business and creating culture and sustaining growth. And I, you know, what you're focused on and what is most important to you, start reading those books. And I think that they give you a lot of ideas and then Sometimes, though, the problem is you have all these awesome ideas and you're like, how do I do this? And I want to do this and I want to do that. So pick something. So what I'm doing this year is actually trying to um, or I am reading a book a month. Um, I'm actually reading more, but I'm 
<laughs> have the time to write the summaries of it that I've been trying to do. I wish I was a little bit more organized on that front. Um, and then I, I'm holding myself accountable. And on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm doing um, a paragraph, a couple paragraphs, a little bit of a, a blog type of thing, um, not long, about each book and something that I'm implementing from each book. Just one thing. There's a lot mm -hmm. of things, but what's most important and what is going to work for my business. And um, that was actually something that I worked with my executive leadership program asked us to put um, three three goals and that was one of them and I'm holding myself accountable and that's why I'm writing this little blog thing because I know that I'll, I'll do the reading but will I really implement those so you know just starting there and and figuring out you know figuring out what you're good at too and and what you can use those talents for to be successful and where you fall short and who can help you and and you know if you're not great at marketing can you find someone who can do that even if it's part-time you know if you're not great at, at finances can you can you have someone help you with that so identify your strengths and and be okay that you're not going to be great at everything it's sometimes a hard pill to swallow but you know just if you can if you can do that then you're going to set yourself self up for success because you know that you're focusing on what you're great at and you have other people to support you where you don't. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we are getting close to the uh, end here. Uh, I, and, and I, uh, I just wanted to kind of recap what I heard. I heard read to learn, read to learn to expand your perspective and your, and your thinking. Uh, and you are taking the time uh, holding yourself accountable to blogging for each book, just coming up with an action plan, how you'll implement one thing that you learn as maybe number two. And then is really kind of doing this honest internal check with yourself and saying, what am I really good at? And where do I, and I, I stopped using, I mean, there's things that I, there's two or three things that I am fabulous at. I just, I do it at light speed, but there's 5,000 things that I just. <laughs> yes. Know what you're mentioning, but I stopped thinking of them as bad. It's more about the things that I do really well. I am so good at them because I love it. It just comes like it's like water for me, right? And, it, just and then you're having fun and you're doing something you enjoy. It's not. It's not. As, it's not as stressful because you yeah. really like doing that particular thing or a couple of things. So then, if you can start to figure out what are the things that you really love to do, and I mean, I I have done this a lot too. I've used a couple of uh, virtual assistant services to start pushing off because I will tell you the numbers in the accounting is just not, that's just not my cup of tea either. <laughs> I, 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 I do numbers well, but just uh, making sure that they all match up on all sides, that's just not it. Yeah. So I think what I'm hearing from you is also find out what you're really good at be honest with that and then mm -hmm. come up with a list of all the stuff that you'd like to say here, someone else and invite someone else to do it because someone else probably loves it. Absolutely. Easy peasy for them. Well, let me tell you what's going to happen here. Uh, I think there's a lot of little nuggets here that I, I got out of it for sure, and I suspect others will as well. So we'll put this out on uh, Apple Podcasts and Google uh, Podcasts and Stitcher and uh, Spotify. It'll be out on YouTube probably in the next week or so, and we'll be posting it out on uh, LinkedIn as we, we do things. So thank you, uh, uh, Gerald and Adam and, any, and all the others who listened in. But uh, First and foremost, Courtney, thanks for uh, uh, raising my gaze again, <laughs> making Thank me think, think better. Thank you so much for the time, Courtney.